Father, we do thank you and praise you, Lord, for being the God of many nations and calling different people unto yourself from all different ethnic groups and backgrounds and languages. You are an amazing God. And yet, Lord, you speak into their hearts just like you do with us. May you continue to bless Heather. Yes, ministry is tough because we're pressing against the things of Satan. And yes, there's going to be those hard days. There's going to be those questionable times. But Lord, we're so thankful you tell us you've given us the victory. And Lord, with these young people and the young man who says you've called him to be a pastor and he knows it, may you continue to equip him. May the young lady, she can't walk and she may not be able to do all the things that what we call a normal person, but Lord, you can use her. And she knows that much that you want to use her. May you use her to the utmost. And those who are struggling in school, Lord, allow them to know that the struggle is good. Because in the struggle, there's growth. In the struggle, there's that real desire to know it. And yes, they may have to spend more time than others. But Lord, you bless. And Lord, for us this morning, Lord, as we take off running here, open your word to us. Let us have understanding of it. And let us grow in it. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Dorian, Walter, come on up here. Don't sit there, Dorian. Come on. Come on, Walter. How you doing, man? You doing good? In life, how do you measure yourself? Turn around, Dorian. That way. Look towards that wall. Who's tall? Do I got him by that much? See, you're short. You're small. See? And you call yourself a man. You're not even as tall as me yet. One day. Turn around, Walter. Who's taller? Everything I said about you, I can now apply to who? Because of what? <laughs> Someone is taller than me. And it's strange sometimes how we measure ourselves by ourselves, but when we do that, the Lord said we're not wise because we're always going to pick somebody that we're a little bit taller than. But when we pick Jesus to measure ourselves, it makes a world of difference. Thanks. Thank you, too. Because we have to come to a place to really examine and look at ourselves. Where am I? Am I short? 
Am I tall? How do I measure myself? How do I see myself? And what should I be? If I'm going to be a jockey, I cannot be 6'5". And weigh 270-some pounds. That horse is going to have a hard time getting around that track. But if I'm going to be a heavyweight boxer, I can't be weighing in at 120 (laughs) and thin as a relic. What should I be? As a Christian, the question you have to ask yourself is this. What am I? And what should I be? How do I measure myself? Do I measure myself by the world, the world standards, what the world is doing? Or do I measure myself by Christ, by his word? Do I take into heart what other people might be saying? Or am I listening to the Holy Spirit? When you examine yourself, Sometimes one of the best things to do, and I found this to be true in college, is is to go to the counselor or go to one of the professors and ask them, how am I doing in your class, even before grades come out? The counselor, boy, where am I in my third year? Am I where I should be? Am I really growing? And I have to ask myself, am I really learning? See, when I was at the Fall College, boy, uh, here I am with a wife and three kids, and I had this crazy thought about going out for the basketball team because, boy, here I am. Boy, I graduated here, and I had offers from college for basketball and football. Back in them days, they did them for both and so forth. And the whole thing is that here I am on a college campus. I can I play basketball, and I looked at some of them guys. I said, yeah, I'm better than them. But the problem is I got a wife and three kids. And if I played basketball, I wouldn't work at Sears. If I was playing basketball, I couldn't work on college campus. If I played basketball, I wouldn't have time to do what? Take care of the family. And the family was first. Not my pleasure, not my joy, not what I wanted to do, but Elaine and three kids and getting through college. You have to examine yourself. You have to examine yourself. If you're a worker and you're on a job, yes, there's others that's going to grade you, but you've got to look at yourself. What kind of job are you really doing? How are you really performing? What's your attitude when you get on the job? Are you giving it your very best? Or are you going there with the idea, I'm going to do as little as possible? Are you there with a mentality that you're going to make your company shine? You're going to produce the best product or the best part of that product that you can produce? See, the only one who can really do a real examination of you is you. Other people may think you're shining and you know you're not. Other people may say, well, you're doing well, but you know you could do better. The thing is, are you satisfied? Go to Lamentations with me for a moment and look what it says. And we're just going to jump through these pretty quick. Boy, I don't want to hold y'all till 2 o'clock. I know y'all won't stay that long. But don't laugh. 
Look what Lamentation 3.40 says. Let us examine our ways. Who else knows your ways? Who else knows your motives? Who else knows you and why you're doing what you're doing better than you yourself? He says, let us examine our ways. Then, not only look at your ways, you want to test them. Why are you going to test them? You want to know if your ways is of the world or of the Lord. Are your ways found in the word of God or are your ways found in the wisdom of man? He says, put them to the test. Really look at yourself. Look at how you function. Look at how you do. Look how you discipline yourself. Look how you order your life. Really take a look at yourself. Look how you love your wife. Look how you love your children. Look how you work in your community. Look how what you do. And then why, why, why? Is it all for the glory of God or is it for self? He says, boy, examine your ways and then test them to see if they are of God or not or they are of the world. And This last part says, let us return to the Lord. If you test them and find they're not found in the word of God, if you test them and you understand they're not of the spirit of God, if you test them and you understand they are worldly ways and worldly things that you're doing, he says simply this, let us return to the Lord. If you test yourself and you find out these things are not of the Lord and how you're speaking, how you're acting, what you're doing, places you're going, they're not pleasing unto the Lord. He says then, let us return to the Lord. Let us return to the path of the Lord. But see, you're the one who got to examine yourself. When you're on vacation, every now and then, when you're driving on the highway, you check to make sure you're on the route that you need to be on. Every now and then, it's comfortable to see a sign that says Route 93 and Route 78, Route 75. It's something comfortable when you're coming back home and you begin to pick up certain signs that says Akron, 60-something miles, or this so many miles away. Why? You know you're getting closer to your destination. He says, examine yourself. And then 2 Corinthians, New Testament, examine yourself to see whether you are in the what? In the faith. Not that you're not in the faith, but he says, really look and see. See, other people can look at you, but you really know your heart, don't you? But understand this, your heart can deceive you. That's why you ask the Spirit of God to do what? Search your heart, examine your heart. But you need to start it. Because the Lord says, boy, if your heart condemns you, I'm greater than what? And if you recognize you're not right, God says, okay, now you correct it. I don't have to say anything. You do the correcting. Once you understand you're wrong, you make the correction in your life. Why? He's given you the ability to do that with the knowledge that he's given you of himself. That you begin to correct yourself. And guess what? A lot of Christians are not correcting themselves. You can see it in their life. And we're going to talk about why. And he says, you examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. If you're living out your faith, you look and see 
If you're living to what God wants you to be, what God's expectations are for you, are you living that? He says, do you not realize that Jesus Christ, that Christ Jesus is where at? In you. Do you really believe that? Or is it just a mental thing? Or is Christ really there? Is Christ really there? Is it just an ideal? Or is Christ really there? Is it just something you've been told? Or is Christ really there? And he says, unless, of course, you fail the test. Now, in 2 Timothy 1, 11 through 12, he said, And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. And that is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed. What has Paul just did there? He examined himself. He took a look at himself. Why? Because of the things he was suffering. Because of the things he was suffering in life and the things he, he said, that is why I'm suffering. I'm suffering because, one, I'm a teacher. I'm suffering because I'm a teacher. How many of you realize at one point, teachers were one of the lowest paid jobs to have? And in life, they suffered because they were a what? A teacher. And then he says, I'm suffering because I'm an apostle. People are talking about me. People are saying this about me. I'm suffering because of people talking about me. Oh, Robbie Zacharias is going to be out uh, at the church out in uh, Hudson. Uh, and if you have a date and, you, and, and you're free that evening, go. He's going to be there for two nights. Uh, we'll put it in the bulletin next week of the two nights that he is going to be there. But if you have that opportunity, go. Robbie Zacharias, a couple months ago, uh, well, more than a couple months ago, he had to uh, stand before the CMA and they had to go through a little part of his life. Because somebody brought an accusation against him. Because Robbie Zacharias is still licensed as an evangelist for the CMA. And uh, they had to examine his life over that accusation and found out it was not true. But he had to go through it still. But nobody would have never made that accusation. He would have never had to go through that examination. And he says, because... He was an apostle. He suffered. And then he said, because I'm a herald, because I'm a witness, because I'm a proclaimer of Christ, because I live for Christ, I suffer. And the main thing, he said, I'm appointed. I'm not self-appointed. I'm appointed. And God says, you've not chosen me, but I've what? I've chosen you. And Paul has to rehearse this. Why? He says, I'm suffering. So he examines himself to understand why he's suffering. If you never examine yourself, you don't know why you're going through certain things in life. If you never examine yourself, you never know where you're going in life. If you never take a good look at yourself, 
you'll never desire to do any better. And he concludes in this manner. And I love this. He says, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed that I'm a teacher. I'm not ashamed that I'm an apostle. I'm not ashamed that I'm a witness of Christ, a herald of Christ. I'm not ashamed of being called by Christ to serve him. I'm not ashamed of that. How many of you are ashamed of being a Christian? See, as I said, the Lord sometimes teaches us these little things as we go through life. We was coming out of the hospital from visiting Tyler and uh, uh, Elaine, we're both walking and we're coming down the elevator with this young lady and she's telling us about her husband and what he's going through and, and what she's going through, how far she got to drive to come up to see him and, and this and that. And as we was going out, Elaine asked her, you want us to just stop a moment and pray for you? And she said, no. And in my mind, I said to myself, why are you asking this woman to pray? We got to go. And then I caught myself. And I had to say to myself, get behind me, Satan. What kind of thought was that? That was a fleshly thought. That was a worldly thought. That was a carnal thought. That was not being concerned about the kingdom of God and people. She was. I wasn't. We have to look at those things. We have to examine those things. And I've been going through this series. Like I said, there's been things happening in my life that's making me really take a good look at me. And you may say, well, that's just something simple, Pastor. We know you. No, it's the thing that the the thought was. It shouldn't even been there. And he says, boy, I'm not ashamed. For a moment, was I going to be ashamed to stand out there in front of the hospital and pray with this lady? I'm not ashamed. And he says, because now, because all these things right here, he says, I know whom I have believed. How many of you know who you believe in? You really know that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You've really anchored yourself in the Lord. You really know that you're in Christ and Christ is in you. You really know that Christ is your hope of glory. You really know he's your eternal life. You really know he's the bread of life. You really know he is the one that quenches your thirst. He, you know that he's anchored you and you're not tossed to and fro with every wind of God. You know who you believe in. And that's what Paul concludes here. I know whom I have believed. But look what else he says. I'm also convinced. Nobody's going to sway me. Nobody's going to move me. I'm convinced about who Jesus Christ is and where I stand with him. I'm convinced of that. Remember in Sunday school somebody said, they asked the person, are you born again? And they said no, but yet they read the Bible, they do this, they do that. That's a person who not only reads the Bible, they're reading other material also, and they're being tossed. They don't know where to anchor themselves. They don't know what their foundation really is. There's somebody still on the search. They're on the prowl to try to discover God or, or, or how much 
God, is God this? Is God that? Is God this one? Is God that one? So they haven't made a commitment anywhere. You can be dating one young lady, but if you're dating three other young ladies, you haven't decided on which one you really love yet. (laughs) And the whole process, he says, I know whom. I know whom. And he says, I'm convinced in it. That he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him. What have I entrusted to Christ? All that I am, I have put into his hands. All that I am and all that I'm going to be, I have put into his hands. I may not understand my present position, as the young lady says. I don't know why God is doing this. I don't understand why I'm going. But yet, I know this. I'm in him and he's in me. And I know he has a perfect plan for my life. I know that. Now, you have to determine where you are on the growth scale. You have to do it. Remember you used to go in the doctor, and one of the things the doctor used to do is have you stand back up against the thing and then put that thing on your head? And then he would say, boy, yeah, you're this tall, but you don't weigh enough, or you weigh too much, or you're this, that, according to your height. What was he doing? He was measuring your growth. Now, kids love it when they're like this and like that. But then at some point, it stops. And as Elaine told me not too long, she said, I'm shrinking. Yeah, the cushions in your joints, (laughs) they're kind of compressing. And you lose an inch or two. (laughs) But she's aware of it. But she's examining herself. She's looking at herself to take note of that. Those of us who know that we're growing older and cannot play basketball anymore and cannot jump anymore and cannot run. Don't let Roscoe try to run too far. I mean, Larry, he's not going to run too far. Charles, he ain't going to run at all with them hips. (laughs) You examine and you look at yourself and you know yourself. You know your limitations. You know your abilities. You know what all you can do. And you finally say to yourself, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But yet I also know there's some things this body is not healthy for them. Though I have the freedom and the liberty, it doesn't profit me to go out and play basketball because of what happened last time I was on a cane. So I know some things I have to somewhat Give up on just because of age. But that's evaluating self. That's looking at self. You have to determine where you are on the growth chart. You have to do that. Are you a Christian living out life in the flesh? Now, what I mean by that is simply this. You've accepted Christ, but you have no growth. You accepted Christ, but you have no Bible study, nobody disciples, nobody's talking to you really about the Lord. And in reality, now that you know that you're saved and that's all that you know, you don't care about nothing else. One author writes in his book simply this, Cheap Grace. There's a lot of people that believe in cheap grace. That they're saved and that's all 
they really desire. That's all they really want. And then they live their life as though they're not saved. Those are the ones that I think in Corinthians 3 said, you escape only by fire. You have no rewards. You have nothing. You're just saved. Are you a Christian living life in the flesh? What you do is live that way. Secondly, are you a Christian who is living in carnality? The difference between flesh and carnality, though carnality goes back to flesh, and flesh really only means meat. So when a lion looks at you, you're just a hunk of meat. When a crocodile or a gator look at you, you're just a piece of meat. Man. For a lot of wild animals, you're just a piece of meat. <laughs> they don't see you as a human being. They see you as meat. And that's what the word really just goes right back to is just flesh, meat, that which covers the bone area and so forth, meat. Carnality, you see it when you really study Corinthians, is not fleshly, is not without knowledge. Fleshly is without knowledge. You don't have any knowledge of the Lord at all, any spiritual desire to even grow in the Lord. And that's why the Lord tells us in John 6, the whole process is that, boy, the flesh profits nothing. Why? God can't be glorified through your flesh, in a sense. Carnality is to have knowledge. In Corinthians, they had knowledge. That's why Paul was correcting also. Many things they were doing, they knew they shouldn't have been doing. They had knowledge. Carnality is when you have knowledge, but you choose to live fleshly. Carnality is when you know to do right, but you choose not to do it. Carnality is to look in the mirror and see that something's wrong and you don't correct it. Carnality is when you're not willing to really hear God's word and participate in it and allow it to really become part of your life. Are you a Christian designed to live out your Christian life as a babe in Christ? Some men, we were, Elaine and I was out to dinner the other day, and, and uh, a couple was sitting across from us, and uh, quite naturally they were not married. We just eavesdrop on their conversation and so forth. And uh, when they got up, the young man uh, somehow uh, bumped into the young lady sitting with him and so forth, and her glasses fell off, and... Um, he reached down, he got them, gave them back to her. He said, boy, you, sir, you just don't know how much them glasses cost. I said, whatever they cost, she knows this. You're good for it. And then as she walked away, he kind of leaned over to me and he said, I paid for them anyhow. You know. And Elaine simply said, after they went off a little bit, Elaine said, I wouldn't spend a minute with him. He need to grow up. You know, and just looking the way he was dressed, and he had to be a man in his 40s, but he's still living as a teenager. His mentality was a teenager. Everything about him 
was something different than being a mature man. His attitude, the manner in which he represented himself, showed himself, everything said, boy, he was still this babe. And how many grown men do you see pout? How many young young men do you really see pout and cry because they don't get it their way? Get mad over the simplest things and they play the quiet game. And sometimes Elaine got to shake me. Oh, you're not talking to me because I said. Or, and she makes me grow up again. And that whole process is that we will fall back into our babiness. It's something I have a habit with my granddaughter. 26 years old and want to put this thumb in her mouth. You 26, that's what a baby do. It's time to break that habit, isn't it? And there are some habits for Christians that need to be broken because they're more like babies rather than the mature Christian. And we don't grow. Where are you? Are you living in the flesh? Are you living in carnality? Are you living in your babyhood, and you're staying as a baby. Yeah. And then the last one, are you maturing and growing in Christ? Do you sense yourself maturing? Do you sense yourself growing? Do you sense yourself moving ahead? Do you sense yourself gaining knowledge that you didn't have before? Do you sense yourself being challenged by the Word, by the Holy Spirit? Do you sense yourself saying, I got to get better at this. I got to do more of this. I got to get out here and witness more. I got to get out here and share my faith more. I got to spend more time in prayer. I got to get more time into the Word of God. Are you examining yourself to really see how mature you are? See, a lot of folks think they're adults, and they're adults by age, but in reality, they're not adults because they will not, catch this now, take on adult responsibility. You may be an adult by age, but you're not taking on the adult responsibility. A lot of children want to be at home. Remember that 30-something-year-old man who had to go to court with his mom and dad because they are trying to put him out of their house? I hope the Lord never had me where I have to find somebody 30-something years old to get out of my home because I'll be in jail. And they wind up in court of the parents trying to get their son out of their home. The young man never what? Grew up. The young man was still expecting mom and dad to feed, to clothe, to shelter, to take care of. On one hand, yes, he's a grown man. On the other hand, he wants to be a child. And we have that in a lot of adults today, in a lot of Christians today. 
they don't want to take on the Christian responsibility that God has placed before them. They want the fun life. They want the life of joy. They want to have peace. And and yes, anything they ask for, they want God to give them. But they don't want the responsibility that God lays upon them. To be who they are supposed to be. To be a responsible Christian, to be a growing Christian, to be a mature Christian. And saying, Lord, what is it that you would have me to do today? Lord, who do you want me to speak to today? More about other folks than about who? Self. When you're stuck on self, you're like the child who won't let anybody else play with their toys. But when you mature, you give your toys away. You give them away. In Luke 18, 14, he says, no growth. They do not mature. And it's in the parable of the sower. But he gives us certain things that come into our life that somehow snap away this growth from us. It it, it somehow demands our attention. And that we find ourselves caught in those things. And yes, Satan is going to come and Satan's going to hinder your growth. He can't stop you from being saved, but he can hinder your growth. Because of what your attitudes are and what you really care for and what you're really running after and what you really want out of life. He says in that verse 14, the seed that falls among thorny thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's, what? Life worries. How many of you understand when you become saved, you are no longer in a sense your responsibility. You become the responsibility of God. It becomes God's responsibility to clothe you. It becomes God's responsibility to feed you. It becomes God's responsibility to provide for you. Now, that doesn't mean you don't work, because if you don't work, you don't eat. But God brings about the opportunities. God opens the doors. God makes it possible. But you have to be willing to do it. For where there's a willing mind, it says it's acceptable unto God. And he says, boy, you get all caught up with the worries of life. Then the next thing is riches. We get involved in running after riches. The moment you accept Christ, you are rich. Now you need to start learning how God handles his finances and how he's going to handle his finances through you. And everything that you have is what John says. A man receives nothing unless God gives it to him from above. And then you begin to really say, Lord, thank you for that gift. Thank you for providing this. Thank you for allowing me to live in this home. Thank you for the car that I have. You know, every now and then, boy, when I'm in my garage and I'm walking through it, I put my hands on the car and I say, Lord, thank you for paying this car off. Then for my little toy, because that's the child yet in me, I said, thank you for allowing me to have this motorcycle. You know, and I go through and sometimes I lay my hands on and I acknowledge, Lord, you're the one who really gave this 
You're the one who allows me to have this. You're the one who has blessed me with this. This morning in my prayer, a lot of times I'm learning even more of that. Lord, thank you for Elaine. Thank you for her faithfulness. Thank you for her love. Thank you for her caring for me. To remind myself, in a sense, she's a gift from God. She's a gift from God. And and we get caught up here in riches. And then he says, the pleasures of this life. And that's something Satan will always throw before you. The pleasures of this life. Why? The pleasures will take you out from doing what God would have you to do. Because we're all pleasure seekers. We all want some time to ourselves. We all think we deserve it. And none of those commercials on TV will just bankrupt you. You deserve to have this, but you can't afford this. But we'll make it possible for you. Whether you have a job, no job, no credit, bad credit, bankrupt, you come and we'll get you in it. And the only thing we're looking at is our pleasure. Not if I can afford it or not. Not if what it's going to do to me if I go out and do this. I just want the hype and the joy just for that moment. Not counting the cost. And the Lord says before a man goes to war, he what? He counts the cost. Before a man begins to be, he counts the cost. We don't count the cost. We just want the pleasure for the moment. And then he says, boy, and they do not what? Mature. Why? These things stop them from growing. And you can read that parable of the soul and you'll see other things too. But that verse right there really helps bring it out a little bit more. This stops you from maturing. What is stopping you from growing? What is stopping you from growing up in the Lord? What is stopping you from going deeper in the Lord Jesus Christ in your relationship? Now, sometimes when you have a friend or a brand new friend, you have a choice. Boy, if you invite that friend over to your house, you learn a little bit more about that friend. If you don't invite that person out or they don't invite you out, you're only acquaintances. It's when you start getting into each other's homes and everything, you become friends. Why? You begin to learn each other's families. You begin to learn each other's hurts. You begin to learn each other's sorrows. You begin to see each other differently. In Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, he says, throw off every weight, everything that hurts you in your growth. You got to get rid of it. And then in Colossians 3, 5 to 9, he says, rid yourself. You consciously have to begin to say to yourself what you're going to put off. But God, when you put something off, God has something for you to put on. And you're the one who has to examine yourself and ask yourself, what do you need to put off? What do you need to rid? What is it that you need to stop doing and then start doing? And he says, you need to rid yourself of these things. And then you need to put off these things. But then he also tells you what you need to put on in Colossians 3. But he says, you need to do it. And then he says, learn to keep yourself under 
under the sound of the word. How many of you do that? If I was to go out here in the parking lot and just start turning on radios, what might I learn? What might I hear? Would I hear a message from the Lord or would I hear a message from the world? Would I hear blessing or would I hear cursing? Will I hear profanity? See, if faith cometh by hearing what Romans ten seventeen says, if faith cometh by hearing the word, what is growth going to come by? Hearing the word. But you have to learn how to put yourself under the word. You have to get to a point where you enjoy the word. You have to put yourself in a place where you want to discover more of the things of the word. You have to want to get into conversations about the word. The Lord said that, boy, uh, men, they sharpen each other. Why? In our discussion. I was sharing with uh, Roscoe Lair. I said, sometime this week we're going to go out to breakfast again. I got to fit it in. I said, we're going to do it because at our last breakfast, we sat down and we examined each other and we asked this question. How are you growing? What are you doing to grow? Because, see, if you're not asking those questions, if you're not looking at yourself, how can you look at others? Because you first need to pull the beam out of whose eye? Out of your own eye before you try to get something out of somebody else's eye. And we need to look at each other. We need to hold each other accountable. We need to challenge each other in our growth. And we need to ask that question. Where are you right now in Christ? That's an important question. And he says you have to learn to keep yourself under the sound of the word. That when you're writing, are you listening to God's word? I'm not saying you have to do it all the time. There's times I love to, on the highway, I'll put on uh, 60 music or 70 music or 80 music. And I love country western music. That might be strange for a black man that I love country western, but I do because I like the stories that are told in it, you know. And uh, I have to watch myself because I get to ride with the... I keep hitting that gas pedal and forget I'm hitting the gas pedal. (laughs) But the whole process is that keeping myself under the word. So in that time also, I'm listening to gospel music. In that time, I'm listening to different sermons. Boy, you've got to keep pouring it on yourself. Now, come on here. The flesh, John 6.63. Give me five more minutes. In the flesh, 6.63, it profits nothing. Simply stated, it is meat, it is the external. It's the sensuous nature of us. We all like to be touched. And the body loves to be touched. The flesh is mere human nature. Apart from God, influence, it opposes God. That's why the scripture says in Galatians, The flesh and the spirit war against one another. They fight against one another. They are contrary to one another. Because the flesh opposes the spirit. 
and the spirit opposes the things of the flesh. Because God cannot be glorified by the flesh. In Romans 8, 4, you can check these things later on, but it says, not according to the flesh. Paul didn't function according to the flesh. Oh, he found himself at times in the flesh, yeah, but that's not what his normal operation is. That's not how he normally thinks. That's not how he normally functions. That's not how he normally acts. By the rules of the flesh. In Romans 8, 8, the flesh can't please God. And sometimes we got to remind ourselves that. I share with the prayer group up in front. The most important thing, maybe God will never do anything in this church until we start praying more. And that's up there on that Sunday morning. Because one of the things I want to get rid of on Sunday morning is that we make sure we don't come down here in the confidence of the flesh. Oh yeah, we know how to sing. Yes, we we practiced the songs. We did this and we did that. And that can give a false security of the flesh. That we're going to come down here and just do this thing and we're going to make y'all happy and it's going to all sound good. And The part is this. Can the Holy Spirit take from what is done up here or done over here and impart it out there? When I think I am a good preacher, I just failed. When I think I'm some extraordinary person, I just failed. When I think more of myself than I ought, I just went into the area of useless by the Holy Spirit. But when I really examine myself, And say, Lord, help me. Lord, wash me anew in the blood of Christ. Lord, allow your Holy Spirit to use our voices. Allow the Holy Spirit to use the sermon. Oh, Lord, may you speak to the hearts, not us. Not us singing, not us preaching, but him doing it. Can you catch a little difference? But yet people will oftentimes function in the flesh. And feel good about themselves. And the glory doesn't go to the Lord. And when you leave from this up here, whether singing, preaching, presentation, when you leave here, you simply are saying, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Because you sense and feel He did it through you. Big difference. And then He says in Romans 7 18, Nothing good is in my sinful flesh. I need to understand that. Nothing is good in my sinful flesh. The carnal Christian mind is not only, is not thinking on godly things. That's why it becomes like flesh. They know the word, but they choose to function in carnality out of the flesh. They have godly knowledge, but choose to not use it. That becomes fleshly then. And we revert back to acting like mere men, and that's what Paul says that you begin to just act like mere people then at that point. A babe in Christ, you refuse to grow. And we see that constantly in our culture with women and men. Like one older woman said, that girl should know she shouldn't be dressed like that. Probably she hadn't been taught. 
Just because you're an adult doesn't mean that you know without the teaching and the understanding. And the same thing for a man. Like James says, it takes a man to talk to a man. It takes a man to teach a man. It takes somebody else. If you're a child as a woman or a man, you can't really teach that other person. That's why the Lord says when he says, the older women should teach the younger women, but he's expecting the older women to have what? Matured. And now they're going to pass on knowledge. But that carnal mind, boy, it gets stuck. And it's not on the things of God. They have a godly knowledge, but choose not to use it. And revert back to acting like mere men in the flesh. It's not that they don't know. But it's your choice. How are you going to act? How are you going to function? The babe in Christ, you just refuse to grow. I'm not going to grow. You choose to stay a babe, a teenager. You don't want adulthood. You want adulthood only when you want to do what you want to do. But you don't want adulthood with responsibilities. You want adulthood with absolute freedom. And that is nothing but destruction. Paul simply says, boy, when I was a child, I acted what? Yeah, don't expect a child to act like an adult. And sometimes it just frustrates me to see adults, parents, trying to tell a child to act like an adult when they hadn't even got to that threshold to cross over that little point of learning. Sometimes you shouldn't ask the child, well, what do you want? They hadn't really learned what's good for them. It's amazing how sometimes kids put stuff on their plate and don't even eat it and parents won't fix it knowing their child and what their child eats is more than important than that, what's good for their child. You take a child to a clothes rack and say, pick out what you like. And the child picks some $1,400 tennis shoes. No, you can have them, but who said pick out what you like? The whole process, Paul says, I put away childish things. How many of you have put away childish things? How many of you have really accepted your adulthood? How many of you have accepted where you are in life right now as a responsible adult Christian? And you're living it. But you still want to play. You still want to do this. You still want to do that. And don't, don't misunderstand me. Me and Roscoe and some of the other guys, when we get on our bikes and we ride, we have opportunity to witness. We have opportunity to share with other people. It's amazing how God opens up doors. But we're enjoying ourselves too. And that's that little child in us sometimes. But we never forget what our real responsibility is. We We never lose our way back home. We know where home is. See? 
Sometimes, boy, we joke with each other. Yeah, our wife won't ride with us, but one day we're going to have a young lady with long hair. We're going to be going about 75, 80, and that hair going to be blowing in the wind. You, you know what Proverbs say that is? Foolish talk. <laughs> Just foolish talk. Because we know where home is. Hey. And then Peter says, add to your faith. That's a struggle for us. What are you adding to your faith? And he lists a bunch of things there in Second Peter 1. He says, now add these things to your faith. We may come back to that next week just to look at it a little bit more. Because he says, add these things. Now that's something you what? You have to do. You have, God's not going to do it. You have to desire it. You have to want to do it. You want to have to put these things in your life. These are things you have to do. They're just not going to drop down from heaven into you. No, you got to start practicing them. You got to start living them out. You got to start seeing them happen in your life. And he says, add to your faith. You're more than just a babe. You're more than just an infant. You're more than just being saved. Grow now. Mature. And 1 Corinthians, we'll come back to this next week too. In Corinthians 2, he said, there's a message of wisdom among the mature. When you're talking with mature Christians, there's things you can talk about that you cannot talk to those who are fleshly and that are babes. And Paul brings it out. Yes, there was a time in 1 Corinthians, he simply says, boy, in that three one, he says, boy, I could not talk to you as spiritual, but as carnal. What is he saying? This message here, the message of wisdom among the mature, I can't talk these things with you. They're way above your head. They're not there yet. That's like trying to teach calculus to a third grader. It's not going to work. And the whole process, he is saying, boy, that message of wisdom among the mature, there's a much deeper message to learn about Jesus Christ. The question is, do you want to learn it? Do you want to know it? Do you want to experience it? You can read these verses, but we'll go back to them. But I want to end with Second Peter here. Because he says to us, and this is to all of us, grow in the grace and knowledge of who? Of Jesus. Something you have to want, something you have to desire. First of all, to get to college, you have to desire to first what? Graduate from where? High school. Nobody can really make you do that. That's something inside you. You have to want to achieve is graduate from high school. Then you have to desire and really want it to get a college degree. That's something inside of you. Then after you get that BS or BA, and, and, and you want more knowledge. Now you're the one who got to really determine, do you want to go after your master? 
And then later, do you want to go after your doctorate? But that has to be inside of who? You. How many of you want to move from the flesh to a mature Christian? How many of you want to move out of your carnality of knowing truth, but then not living it out and want to be mature and learn to practice and live as God would have you to learn? How many of you want to get out your baby stage? Out of your stage of being tossed to and fro and hearing this and hearing that and don't know how to chew on good solid meat. How many of you really want the more deeper wisdom and knowledge of God? How many of you? And let me share this with you. None of us will totally be fully mature until.